Okay, if you guys have your Bibles, if you guys want to open up to Mark 7, this is the chapter we're going to go through today. All right. I'll give you guys a second. Right? Energy. Okay, so now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy for you hypocrites as it is written? This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. He said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about this parable, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person must from the outside cannot defile them, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declares all foods clean. And he said to them, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. And from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, coveting wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want to be, and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he begged, and he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And he brought to him, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger into his ears and after, spit, after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up into the heaven and sighed. And he said, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. 
He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All right, with that in mind, I'm going to invite Katie up there, who's prepared a word for us. Can we give a warm welcome to Katie? Yes. Okay, there we go. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see your sunshiny faces. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I am glad you're here today. <laughs> All right. So I want to share with you guys my most favorite place in the entire world, Disneyland. Who here has been to Disneyland? Yeah, it's awesome. It's so fun and so magical, and you just have the best time ever. If you haven't gone, I would highly suggest you go. So I've been to Disneyland three times, and the last time I went was with my friends in second year, and we went on my most favorite ride, the Winnie the Pooh ride, and I dragged them on it twice, and then we tried to get a picture with Winnie the Pooh, and he went on a honey break, and so I brought this Winnie the Pooh to show you guys that we did go. (laughs) But if you've ever driven into California, or if you've ever flown into California, you literally cannot miss all of the smog and pollution that's happening there. For over 19 years in a row, L.A. has been crowned with the capital of most polluted city in America. And while the smog has significantly improved since the mid-1900s, it's still a huge problem and it still needs to be worked on. However, when you get to Disneyland and you're in the middle of it, you don't even think about the pollution that's encapsulating the city because you're so focused on getting to Splash Mountain as fast as you can or taking the pictures with the characters. So you forget about the pollution, and you don't even notice it, and it's just in the back of your mind. We don't notice the pollution um, because we're so focused on other things. So the text I'm going to be focusing on today is Mark 7, 4 to 20. In this passage, Jesus is talking about the things that defile us, and what defiles us is not the things that go into our bodies, but the things that come out of us. And so... In order to fully understand this passage, we need to do a a historical study and a word study. And so the main word in this passage is defile, which means koinos in Greek. (laughs) And this translates into to pollute, to make common, defile, unclean, profane. And so pollute means to contaminate with harmful or poisonous substances. And unclean means dirty or morally wrong. Wow, my hands are so sweaty. (laughs) All right. So historically speaking, being clean or unclean was extremely, extremely important for the Jewish people. And the priests in Leviticus would have to examine every single person and see if they were clean and fit and, and worthy to stand in worship or if they were unclean and they had to be excluded from worship. When people were deemed unclean, they had to publicly announce it by saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. And they generally had to avoid the things that were holy and take steps to return to a state of cleanliness or holiness again. If possible, but in some cases, people were unclean for the rest of their lives. And we see this in people who had diseases such as leprosy or the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. So we then need to ask, what does it mean to be holy? Paul states in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 7, that the will of God is our sanctification, which he clarified by adding, God has not called us from uncleanliness, but from, cle- but from holiness. The Bible commands us to be holy as God is holy. So what does this mean? What does this look like? For Jewish people, 
being clean and holy uh, included a variety of things. And one of these things included extensive washing rituals, which we see in the text that Cole read today. In our text, the Pharisees were getting angry and they were condemning the disciples because they ate with defiled hands, because they didn't partake in these washing rituals before they ate. We see Jesus replying by saying, no, 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 no. It is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's the things that come out of a man is what defiles him. And this would have been an extremely controversial thing for Jesus to say because for hundreds of years, the Jewish people took place in these hand-washing ceremonies. But Jesus was clearly pushing past these religious acts and these religious laws, and he was getting at what actually matters here, the heart. We then see the disciples even didn't really know what Jesus was saying in this parable. And Jesus replies in verse 18, and he says, Don't you understand? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into their heart, but in their stomach, and then out of their body. Jesus goes on to explain that what comes out of the person is what defiles him. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceitful, Lustful hearts, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. You see, because Jesus wasn't concerned about these hand-washing rituals or about what you eat. He's concerned about what's going on in the inside of your heart. Jesus has always been after the hearts of his people. And I think this is why the Pharisees didn't really understand this parable either, because they were so focused on the external. They were so focused on following these laws and making them look good on the outside and having their ducks in a row that they forgot what was inside is what was important. Jesus has always been after the hearts of his people, and we see this throughout the Bible so many times. An example of this is found in Martha and Mary's story in Luke 10. Martha is so busy fixating herself upon the external about preparations and cleaning that she forgot that what's inside is what matters. And we see Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets angry, and she essentially throws a hissy fit, and she's like, yo, Jesus, what the heck? And Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, you are worried and concerned about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better. It will not be taken away from her. Jesus was looking at their hearts, and he didn't care about what the state of their house looked like or what they were having for lunch. He cared about what was inside, and what was inside Mary at that moment was so beautiful because she was completely and solely fixated on Jesus. Another example of Jesus being after the hearts of people can be found with the story um, with the woman in the perfume, which is found in Mark 14. And I think the most beautiful thing about this story is that we don't know this woman's name. We don't know her story. We just know the state of her heart. So this woman, she took this really expensive perfume, and she washed Jesus' feet with it. And this perfume would have cost at least a year's worth of wages. And people got angry and said that we could have sold this perfume and given it to the poor. But Jesus is saying, no, like what she does for me is a good thing. Jesus saw her heart in this moment. But unfortunately, the other people didn't see it because they were so focused on the external things. And there's a lot more examples um, of Jesus being after the hearts of people. But for the sake of time, we need to move on. So Jesus has always been after the hearts of people, and he always judges people's hearts, which is why I think the Bible talks about the heart so much. We see in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with 
all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Or Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 27.19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. In Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. So Jesus is looking at our hearts, right? Yep. And he says it's what's inside of us that defiles us, right? And so we know that defilement means to pollute or make unclean. And so... (laughs) We need to ask the question, what is in your heart? What's going on in there? What's polluting you? This is a really hard question to ask, too. And it's something that's really uncomfortable for a lot of us, but... We need to ask it because it's important. When I was first asked to preach, I was like, ooh, fun, sure. Like, I'm not really an extravagant preacher. I'm not in the pastoral theology program, but I believe that God speaks through people. And then I got my scripture passage, and I was like, ooh, dang. (laughs) That's so heckin' intense. But I believe it's really intense because it really matters. It's so important. We need to adjust the things that are in our hearts and what's polluting us and what's defiling us. Because if we don't, we're going to have a pretty rude wake-up call in the near future. We need to address these things because our current ministries and our future ministries depend on the state of our hearts. Our future businesses, students, (laughs) clients, everything. They all depend on the state of our hearts and what's going on in here. And we need to be actively cleaning out the pollution that is in here. It's not a one-time fix-all Like, we need to actively, throughout our lives, be cleaning out the pollution in our hearts. And so, what's defiling your heart? What's polluting you? I don't know about you guys, but I am tired of seeing people and pastors and leaders who are, like, kicked out of ministry because their hearts have defiled them. These scandals that we hear about don't happen overnight. I hear of pastors being charged with child pornography, sexual allegations, Money, money laundering, fraud, etc. And guess what? All of these things do not happen overnight, and they could have been dealt with earlier. They could have been prevented. People like Bill Hybels, legendary pastor. We used some of his work for our school classes. But then the allegations came streaming in, and his heart had defiled his ministry. And what happens when your heart defiles your ministry is that you lose a lot of trust of people, and you hurt a lot of people. This should grieve us when this happens. And I hear so many people tell me, Katie, I'm really struggling with lust, but don't worry, it'll change when I'm married. That's not how it happens. That's not how it works. Our problems of lust and sexual immorality do not go away when we're married. Our problems of jealousy do not go away when we get the job we wanted. Our problems of anger don't go away when we finally win the argument with our friends or family. Our pride doesn't go away when we get that leadership position that we thought we deserved. That's not how it works. And some of us may be in this room thinking, yes, I understand, but that won't happen to me. However, the statistics would shockingly prove us wrong. David Hendricks conducted a study of 246 men in full-time ministry who had experienced a moral failure within a two-year period. All of these 246 men, they all went to college They had training. Some of them had families. They were all in a leadership position of some kind. And all 246 men were convinced that this kind of moral failure would never happen to them. 
this should concern us, but it should also propel us into a place of self-awareness and self-reflection so that doesn't happen. You see, because defilement and sin are not things that we can hide for very long. We can get distracted by them and not notice them, like I was talking about the pollution at Disneyland. We can even have fun in our defilements. We may not notice that our hearts are defiling us because we're so focused on getting to Splash Mountain, or in my case, the Winnie the Pooh ride, that we just waze right past them. We're so focused on getting to our ministry goals and our life goals that we forget about what's inside is what matters. But the truth is, after time, these defilements will show. We can only put them away in a compact little box for so long. When we're faced with challenging situations, they'll show. When we're grown and stretched, they'll show. So, when you're with your cup and you're bumped, what comes out of you? I love the saying, the most public thing about you is your private life, because I believe it's so, so true. You know those people who are just, like, so joyful and so kind and caring, and they just radiate the fruit of the Spirit, and you can tell that they've been with the Father? These people are generally the people who are not afraid of their defilements and addressing them because they know what's polluting their relationship with God and with others and themselves. You see, because when we're polluted, it affects all areas of our lives, not just our ministry. It affects our relationships with God. We don't see him clearly. We don't serve him well. It affects our relationship with ourselves. We believe the lies that the enemy is saying over ourselves. And it affects our relationship with others. We don't see people the way that God wants us to see them. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up. (laughs) So can I suggest that we start working on the things that defile us now? This is literally the best and safest place for you to do it. I really believe it. And I beg you guys, whether you have three and a half years left or three months left, would you take for, not take for granted the time that you have at Summit? There are so many people here who want to see you grow and thrive and succeed, but you also have to put in the effort and put in the hard work that it takes to clean out the pollution. We can't expect to change when we're sitting on our phones, scrolling social media for hours every night, or binging Netflix or Disney Plus, or hanging out with our friends at all hours of the day. The state of our hearts define the state of our lives. The state of our hearts define our ministries, our relationships, everything. And so we need to start working on what's polluting our hearts now. And so we're going to do a fun little activity because I love activities. And I believe that they really solidify a lot of things in our hearts. And so when you came in, you received a little something that should look like a heart. (laughs) It might be a little bumpy, who knows. And I want you to spend some time right now. And I want you to think about what's defiling you. What is polluting you? What is making yourself not see others, God, and yourself clearly? It may be lust, jealousy, comparison, anger, greed, laziness, whatever it is. I want you to spend some time right now and write it down. And don't be embarrassed about what you write down. This is a safe space. And I would really encourage you to be vulnerable with yourself and with God right now. So I'll give you a couple minutes to do that.
So the bad thing about defilements is that if we don't address them, they will address us. But who knows here that the amazing thing is, is that we have a God who wants to work with us on our polluted hearts. That he wants to work with us on our defilements, that we're not in this alone. We're not doing this on our own strength either, because if we try to, we won't succeed. And so we need to invite Jesus into our defiled hearts and and work it out with him. God isn't afraid of what's going on in your polluted heart. He knows. He knows you. He's created you. He loves you. And he wants something so much more for you. And so now we're going to shift. And I want you to turn your hearts over. And I want you to spend some time praying about that thing that you just wrote down, that thing that's defiling you and polluting you. And I want you to proclaim a victory over it because we have a victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so I want you to um, write down the victory over that defilement. And so, for example, if you wrote down lust, you can write down love on the other side of your heart. If you wrote down jealousy, you can write down thankfulness on the other side. And so I want you to spend some time praying about how God wants to use your defiling heart for victory and for testimony and for kingdom growth. And so I'll give you guys a couple minutes to do that. So now I want you guys to find a partner and I want you to be honest and vulnerable with them. And I would suggest girls with go go with girls and guys go with guys, but I want you to pray about the things that you wrote down on your hearts and the victorious statement that you have over them. So I'll give you guys about five minutes to do this and then
minutes to finish up your prayers. you guys to take your heart that you have, that you writ on, that you prayed over, and I want you to put it somewhere where you will see it every day, whether it be your bathroom mirror, beside your bed. Whenever you feel those defilements starting to bubble up and stir inside of you again, you can flip it over and you can see the victory that you have proclaimed over that defilement and that pollution in your heart. And so we're going to finish with a song, and then I'll pray to close. So, everyone.